Oh, wow. There's a lot of things in life I don't understand. Ramshack's one of those. Computers and technology are another one. For example, computers. Man, do you understand the Internet? That is one of those things that I don't understand. I mean, but somehow I'm not going to turn my computer off just because I don't understand it. Another thing that I don't understand and I can't get my arms around is electricity. I don't play with it. I do know that. Uh, but neither am I going to live in the dark just because I don't understand electricity. There's just a lot of things in life that I understand. There's some things that Jesus said that just don't make sense. I'm sorry, they don't make sense. They still don't even make sense today when you look at it from the conventional mindset. But the, the, the things like when he would say the first will or the last will be first, or the first will be last and the last will be first. What in the world is that? That doesn't even make sense. I mean, every race I've ever run, I've always come in last or close to it, and I was never awarded the first prize. Think about it. I mean, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit into our conventional wisdom. When you think about whenever he says that if you're, go- if you're go- going to live, you're going to actually have to die. Now, what does that mean? How can I live and die at the same time? How can I die and live after I'm already dead? That doesn't, again, make sense. And then also he talks about how how love. Do you think about the greatest way to demonstrate love? And I would think of buying something for somebody, spending time with somebody, or something along that, giving them an education. That's the greatest way you can demonstrate love. The Bible says the greatest way you can demonstrate love is by dying for them. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. But how in the world is that demonstrating love when my life is taken out of the picture? When you think about some of the statements that Jesus made, they just don't make sense in our conventional wisdom. But just like electricity, it doesn't mean I'm going to live in the dark. It means I've got to dive into them and I've got to try to figure them out. Now, there's one statement that he made that Jesus made. It's recorded in the book of Acts that Jesus made this statement. And to be honest with you, out of all the statements that he doesn't make and that he has made, this one is the one that makes the least amount of sense to me. Because the whole dying and living and living and dying thing, I've never died physically, so I can't even imagine that one. So what is he talking about there? And so trying to put your arms around that was a little bit difficult. But when he says this next one, the next one is the one that really gets me. It's the one that as a child I would scoff and I would mock and I would laugh and then I would, uh, and then I would just ignore it. Because there's no way that that could be true. It's the whole concept, it's the whole idea that it's better to give than to receive. How many of y'all heard that growing up? How many of y'all believed that growing up? Believed it growing up? I didn't believe it growing up. It was not one of those things that I, I could in, in any way see that, 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 that giving away something would be better than receiving something. I mean, my Christmas list showed no, no indication of that. But it is said that Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that He Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is a give-me-planet, man. And I don't know what kind of world that he is speaking from to think for one skinny minute that it is blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. That just doesn't fit into my equation. That doesn't fit into my psyche. It doesn't fit into my paradigm at all. But we are in a series of messages where we're trying not to live with conventional wisdom. We're trying not to live with the conspiracy of what the Advent season is in our 21st century Western materialistic world. We're trying to kind of go back and revisit it. So maybe we're going to be swimming upstream. And I even said last week, the message you heard last week, you'll never hear anywhere else this Christmas season anywhere else than maybe what you heard last week. Because everything else says everything other than that. And even even the message today, 
doesn't fit with conventional wisdom. We talked about last week spending less, and that if we can spend less, we can actually enjoy more. That somehow we get caught into the trapping, into the belief that if I will spend more, then I can enjoy more. But somehow learning that value of contentment can actually help us to appreciate the smallest, the things that we already have, the things that we already possess, the things that we already own. And here's another one, though. We're going to take it a step further. Because when I say that the idea here is to spend less so we can enjoy more, it's not so that I can, okay, here's the group of people that I'm buying gifts for, so I'm going to spend less on them, so I'm trying to create some kind of organized hedonism that I can now spend the rest of the money that I was going to spend on them on me. That's not what this is about. It's not that I can spend less on them so I can spend more on me. It's that I might spend less on them that I might give more to others. That I might give it away. That I might make it available and accessible to those who have greater needs than myself or anybody in my circle of influence. I think back to this past Monday night, and if you were here as, as ladies or as men serving, you saw a beautiful, several, lots of beautiful displays of this whole concept of giving, getting to give. The concept that we get something in life so that we can pass it on, that we can become that conduit. And what a beautiful scene and beautiful displays of love and stories that are already coming in about how it's already having a ripple effect. And that is a beautiful thing. But that's not a foreign thing. It's foreign to our present reality, but it's not foreign to God's economy and to God's paradigm. In fact, the theme verse of the night was Matthew 10, verse 8, where it says, Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, not to hold, not to hoard, not to gain for yourself, not to accumulate more and more and more so you can gain more and more and more, but you have received freely. Now let's make that a conduit, and now let's freely give. How has God blessed your life? Generosity, understand this, the Christian faith, in the very fabric, woven into the very fabric of the Christian faith is the ideology of generosity. Woven into the fabric of Christianity is generosity. It is one of the main threads. It's what makes us... And it's not just generosity. It's generosity of the things that are valuable to us. It's not just the surplus. It's not just the extras. It's actually taking, carving out of our life those things that are valuable, a portion of them, and literally freely giving them away. You think about, we have time. Time is so valuable. I don't care, rich, poor, young, old. Educated or uneducated, where you live in this continent or any other continent, we all have the same amount of seconds in a day. You know that and I know that. But what if I could carve off some of that, that valuable commodity called time, that once it's gone, it's gone for good, and I can never reclaim it. But what if, what if, what if, what if I could somehow carve off a portion of my time, not a token time, but sacrificial time? And literally gave it away and invested it in someone else's life. What about talents? We all have them. Some more than others. Some better than others. But we all have talents. 
We all have hobbies. We all have interests. We all have. What if I took my time and my talents and I coupled them together? And what I literally gave away this Christmas was maybe I'm spending less on the plastics and the synthetics and the invitations, but actually what I'm going to spend more on is actually valuable life contributing time and talent into somebody else's life. What if I didn't give plastic, synthetics, and imitations this Christmas, but what if I gave paper? Paper in the form of a, of a ticket. Paper in the form of a ticket to a third world country. Maybe paper in the form of a ticket to, to Zambia, to go to Mapanza, Zambia, and help build an orphanage that we've been asked to come over and to help build just in the recent days. A new orphanage going in. What if that was the greatest gift that you sit down with your family and you said, listen, family, the greatest gift we could give is not to one another, but to those who don't have. And so we're going to take a a portion of our Christmas monies and we're going to dedicate it to serving those in need. What about instead of spring break going to the beach? What if I went to the, the Sahara beach? Not quite the water and the scenic beauty of the oceans. But what if I decided to load up my child and, and take them with Lori to, 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 to Kay Village and, 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 and Molly and, and actually spend my spring break serving and giving away a story that we take for granted but they don't even know about in village after village after village. What if that was how I spent my time and my talent? What about my treasures? You know, we all have time. We all have talents. We all have treasures. And I'm not just talking about token giving. I'm talking about real sacrificial giving. What does my giving look like? Does it really, really affect my life? If you've been reading the book, Crazy Love, as all of our members are being encouraged to do, you probably came to one of the most heart-wrenching chapters this week if you're on schedule with everybody else. And that is chapter 4. The profile of lukewarm. And to be honest with you, when I finished this chapter, I had to just put it down and drop to my knees out of conviction. Because I realized that I had slipped in to a lukewarm, mediocrity state that I didn't even realize I was in. Because maybe I was just like everybody else, and so it just looked normal. And normal was okay. But one of the statements he makes in that chapter... He says, as long a lukewarm person, lukewarm people give money to charity or to church or to the church, as long as it doesn't impinge on their standard of living. And it was that last statement, as long as it doesn't impinge on their standard of living, I will give to my church. I will give to my charity. It was... uh, In Mere Christianity, a classic work by C.S. Lewis, that he made this statement. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comfort, leisures, amusements, etc. is up to the standard of the common among those of the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be 
things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Let's again go back and let's ask ourselves the question, is my talent, is my, are my treasures, is my time, am I carving off, or is it just token time and token treasures and token... Or is it truly stepping into life and embracing the example of Christ in Christmas and truly unpacking the story of Christmas and understanding that was not a token gift from God. That was a sacrificial gift from God. That was His one and only Son. That was the most painful, horrific way to die on the face of this earth. And yet I'm going to send my son to do that. That's not a token gift. And for us to live the Christmas story and not just tell the Christmas story, it would absolutely be a sin against Almighty God for me not to bring it to the table today and let's talk about the concept of giving more because as I give more, I will live better. I will live better because now I'm living that Christ-like way. There's a life principle for you. Because it's easy to get into the concept of I give enough or I give as much as that person or I think I give as much as that person or, or whatever. And so we start comparing ourselves with each other. The Bible, you read it, says that's foolishness when we compare ourselves with each other. Because here's a, here's a life principle for you. It's not equal gifts but equal sacrifices. We all have been blessed. Different levels of financial and material and talents and treasures and time. But are we equally sacrificing? Luke 12, 48, you want more in life? You want more in life? Well, let me tell you this. If you want more in time, you want more in talents, you want more in treasures, get ready. Because the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much is required. God would love to bless your socks off, but maybe He can't trust you. He would love to to give you more time and talents and treasures, but maybe your desires for that are truly for self and for selfish gain. When you look at the story of Christ, take your Bibles, look at the book of Philippians. You find... Again, Paul, in, in, in a very uncommon Christian or Christmas story kind of book, you find Paul giving us a beautiful picture of the Christ story, of the Advent story. But he didn't just stop at the Advent. It actually goes from the cradle to the cross. In a few short verses, he helps us to understand the beauty of Christ and, and helps us maybe revisit the story a little bit. That in, in, in crypt notes kind of way, he helps boil it really down to say, hey, this is Christ. Now, as you look at Christ, let him be your example. Let him be your example, not just to admire, not to just be inspired. But let him be your example for how you live. The example, the model for us, if we are going to live like Christ, is we're going to have to live at a different standard of generosity. And what this means is when we look at Christ, we'll see this. If you look at chapter 2 of Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we'll look there and he says, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. 
Have this mind among yourself which is yours in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ we should be emulating in our mind. His mind should be our mind. His thoughts should be our thoughts. His ways should become our ways. And so when you dive into that and you begin to understand His ways, His ways of doing things, I think you see that He lived this giving life. Jesus lived this model giving life. And He calls us to live the same life. And as we live that life, we're living a better life because we're living the life of Christ. We're living out the mind of Christ, the thoughts of Christ, the values of Christ, the paradigm of Christ, the thoughts of Christ, the the real value of Christ. So what does that look like? I think there's a couple of things that we need to learn to give like. And that is, number one, we need to give personally. Personally, do we need to learn the value of giving? It is said in verse 6 that he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't count equality with God something to be, to, to be grasped. And again, let me just read, read on there. He says in verse 5, Have the mind among yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It has been said that no one is ever honored by what they get in life. They're honored by what they give. Think about that for a moment. You ever heard of a a university, college, business school, psychology department named after what somebody got? No. After what they've given. People aren't honored for what they get in life. They're honored by what they give away in life. And the value and the ability to give it away and the heart to being willing to give it away is at the very crust of, of the Christmas story. When, when you just imagine this, here is time and before time, here is, here is eternity that never ends, okay? And as God creates mankind, He puts them on this earth and sure enough, the very first generation drops it and messes up. We would have been the same if we were Adam and Eve. But nevertheless, it's Adam and Eve, our mother and our father, who drop it. They mess up. They sin. And from every generation right up to the present, we are living as a result of that sinful nature. But in the midst of that story that's unfolding now that we're living in time, back here, God, in all of His infinite wisdom, knew this was going to happen. But He looks at His Son, Jesus, and He says, You must go. And Jesus, not in some rebellious kind of way, but yet in all the glories of heaven. Though He was in the very form of God, though Jesus is God, He is in the very form, the very nature, the very essence of God, yet He did not hold on to all the possessions, all the prestige, all the plushness, if you will, of heaven. But I love that statement. It says that He did not Count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And all the riches and all the beauty and all the plush and all the, be- all the power and all everything of heaven, he did not grasp hold of it, but he was willing to let go of it. And here's, here's the statement in a sentence. Jesus Christ willingly and intentionally, willingly and intentionally gave up 
He willingly, he, 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 he did not hold on to it. In fact, it says in, Ma- in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He willingly came to serve us and to give his life a ransom for many. He didn't hold tightly. He didn't hold tightly. He was actually holding lightly. What are we holding tightly that we really should be holding lightly? What is it that we're holding on to that we won't let go of in our life? What if this Christmas season we didn't give presents, but we gave presents? We gave ourselves. Jesus personally gave himself. That would be a closer Christmas story than the others. this, This week, again, we've seen through the women's ministry... A beautiful thing, but there are amazing stories that are even happening among our men. And not to in any way try to compare and contrast, but it's just a beautiful story of what's going through our church right now. I think of about one landscaper, and I'll not name any of these people by name because they don't want their names mentioned. But one landscaper, back when we were doing our Hope and Action Day, heard of the story of the 81 year old widow. And could not wait until Saturday, but loaded up his crews, went over there, and completely overhauled their yard. Landscaping and everything. That was a person who had talent, and they were willing to give it. These are some ways that we can personally give. Personally give this season. He gave of his time. He gave of talents. He gave of his treasures. It was his inventory. It was his labor that he put out there. I think of another mechanic in our church who's semi-retired, still needs to make a living, but he has willingly stepped up. And I can call on him in a minute. And he will drop what he's doing. He will go and he'll meet the need of a family or two or three that has problems with their car. That's a talent he has. I can't fix my lawnmower. But he has a talent to fix cars. And he's taking his talents and he's putting it out there. You show me a family in need, Mike, I'll be there. I can tell you of another one. I heard this one just this week, and I never would have considered this. I absolutely never would have considered this as an option for giving. But this person actually fixes the hooves on horses. All right? Not a vet, but that's what he does. And I don't even know all the technical terms to it. But he fixes hooves on horses. And so he goes around to these various people who have horses, and he fixes them and obviously charges them. It's a talent, it's a trait that's probably pretty rare out there. But he takes his talents and he gives them. And this Christmas season, he's going around to everybody. And as soon as they expect a bill from him, he's turning around and telling them, Now, no, I want you to take what you would normally pay me, find somebody in need and give it to them. That's a person who's taking their talents and they're personally giving it away. And it's not something that I've created. It's not some avenue into some ministry of our church, hoof-fixing ministries. But it's somebody who sees a need, has a talent, and is willing to give it away. What are we holding on to tightly that we should be holding on to lightly in life? Treasures. What about treasures? How can you personally give treasures away? You know, there's always those upgrades that we want in life. The upgrade of the computer, of the car, of the television, of the radio, of the, of the iPod, of the whatever. What upgrade in life that really I don't need, but I want? Going back to last week's message. I don't need, but I want. That maybe I could give that up. I could skip that upgrade this time. What about time? 
Could you give two weeks of a vacation that's so precious and dear, and instead of going and seeing Mickey load up the kids and the family and go serve in a third world country or go serve somebody in need? What are you holding on to tightly, cherishing tightly that you need to hold on to lightly? See, Jesus did not hold on, grasp hold of all the beauty and the glory of heaven, but willingly, personally gave it up. Willingly, personally gave it up. When we went to Africa, we were told we were given 600 uh, cubic feet to load all of our stuff for all the kids for Christmases and years and years and years for four years worth of stuff. And so we said, we, you can take anything you want to take that you can fit in 400 cubic or 600 cubic feet, you can take it. Now, listen, Africa doesn't need any air, so fill it up. And so we did. We filled it up. We put basketball goals in there and Velveeta cheese. We put clothes in there for four years' worth of kids and Velveeta cheese. And we put uh, bicycles in there and Velveeta cheese. We took about 15 or 16 blocks, I don't know, of Velveeta cheese because we heard cheese was not available over there. And so we just loaded it up. But we were told whenever we were being trained on how to pack, James Baker Cawthon, former foreign mission board president, said, whatever you take, take it in your hand and not in your heart. And I thought that's a good statement. That's a good philosophy to live by. What if I held everything in my life in my hands and not in my heart? I might be willing to give it up a little easier. What are you holding on to tightly that you need to be holding on to lightly? What do you need to be willing to give personally? Number two, notice that Jesus gave humbly. Humbly. Now we've got to really understand this one. Because everything in our culture, everything in our society, and I was walking through the mall even last night, everything that draws me in, and I'm an impulsive buyer, everything that draws me in is shinier, faster, cleaner, brighter, more beautiful, more in fashion than what I have, whatever it may be. But to give more humbly, and to give humbly actually is that, that, that idea that I am willing to give up the upgrade and to accept the lower grade. And I'm literally intentionally in my life and going to choose to go that path. Notice this, that it says in verse, in verse uh, 7, but made himself. He wasn't forced. He made himself nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man and being found in human form, he humbled himself. That's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus lived. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself. He willingly and intentionally lived a lesser life so that others could live a more full life. He willingly and intentionally lived a lesser life so that others could live a more full life. What is it in my life again that I am looking for the advancement, the upgrade, the, the whatever, that really I could choose. I could literally make the choice as Jesus made the choice and I could live on less so that others could live on more. Now, is that a profound thought? Is that a difficult one to swallow? that I would willingly choose that, that the Christmas presence of myself would be greater than the Christmas presence that I wrap? 
under the tree? Would that become a greater gift story? I mean, we've got to remember, when Jesus, being God, living in all of heaven, having all of the angelic hosts serving Him and worshiping Him, willingly humbled Himself, gave it up, becoming nothing, a zero in life, and He did it for you and me. That's the Christmas story. How much are we willing? Now, if we're forced into this one, but how much are we willingly and intentionally giving up? Just a couple of notes about Jesus' life and how He willingly gave it up. Jesus was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I don't know if you realize that. He was born in Nazareth. When Nathaniel learned about Jesus and being born in Nazareth, this is what Nathaniel said. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, that's just basically a rhetorical question to say, there's nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Jesus is from Nazareth? No way. You don't associate with people from Nazareth. They're from the wrong side of the tracks. That's where Jesus was from. When Jesus came to this earth, it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that he pitched his tent. It wasn't he built his mansion. He pitched his tent among us. But also Jesus lived a non-materialized life. In Luke chapter 9, verse 58, it says, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. My fear is that we have adulterated the Christmas story. We have adulterated the Christmas story with our rush to the mall and our increased materialism. Mike, you are like anti-shopping. No, I was at the mall last night. But I tell you what I am, is I am trying to spend less so that I can make room in my life to give more. I'm being much more strategic in thinking about my gifts. I'm being much more honest about myself and about the emotions that I'm going through, Mr. Impulsive Shopper, that I am. And I'm trying to bring those down and bring those to reality. And not just bring them to reality, because maybe I still can afford it, but bring it to Christ-likeness. Because Christ gave personally. He gave humbly. Frederick Huntington said it like this, It's not the scientific doubt, not atheism, not pantheism, not agnosticism in our day and in this land, that is likely to quench the light of the gospel, it is the proud, sensuous, selfish, luxurious, church-going, hollow-hearted prosperity. This is a humbling kind of message. This is a life-changing kind of message. That's what makes it humbling. Is that if I'm truly going to live and not just tell the Christmas story, it means that I will live a more humble life than before. Maybe here's a Christmas idea so that you can give more humbly. Here it is. You ready? Think about it. Ask for less. Ask for less so that you can give away more. What if you intentionally, willingly said, I don't need, thank you, but here is an awesome, amazing charity. Here's an awesome, amazing organization that is doing it. That is doing it. 
even again, refer, reference back to crazy love. He challenged me to no end when he said, what if we chose to live, we aspired to live in life at the median level of income? Instead of living at our level of income, but the truly we would say, I'm going to live at the median level of income, which is about $46,000 a year. Even though I may make, you may make 50, you may make 70, you may, you may make 100,000, you may make all kinds of, but what if we said, okay, maybe that's 46, maybe it's, maybe it's 50, whatever, pick a number out there, but what if we said, okay, I'm going to live at this level. Wow. I think that's a closer Christmas representation than the one that I have been living and the one that I've seen lived out so much. A young Scottish preacher who died at the early age of 29 in the 19th century ran to his grave at 100 miles an hour, Robert Murray McShane. I've studied him in history. He lived a very short life. He burned out quickly and died very soon. But he ran his life at 100 miles an hour. He said this, I'm concerned for the poor but more for the wealthy, for you wealthy. I know not what Christ will say to you in the great day. I fear there are many hearing me who may know well that they are not Christians because they do not give. To give largely and liberally, not grudgingly at all, requires a new heart. An old heart would rather part with its lifeblood than it's money. Oh, my friends, enjoy your money. Make the most of it. None, uh, and give none away. Enjoy it quickly. For I can tell you, you will be beggars throughout eternity. What the powerful words. What about our giving? Are we giving personally? Are we giving humbly, intentionally, and willfully? Lastly, if you look at the life of Christ, you go from the cradle, you go to the cross, and you'll find that Jesus gave sacrificially. He was the picture of sacrificial giving. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for someone you love even more. Think about it like that. I love my life. I love my toys. I love my things. I love what things can do for me. But I love this person even more. I love this cause even more. And I'm willing to give up this for them. That's what sacrifice looks like. Sacrifice means giving up so that we can give. All I can say at this point is you need to find something you believe in that you can live with, that you can be a part of, that you can give to in a meaningful, valuable way that makes life change, that's doing it. And I can tell you, there's not been a whole message to come to this point, but I can say this, that we seek to be a church that is giving, that is a conduit for you to give. We have a ministry budget that funds everything about our church. From our children on the other side of that wall to any project that we do to missions around the world, it is, I tell people in North Point, this is the fund that everything comes out of, this is everything that we believe in, is our ministry budget. Then there's our global missions, and 100% of that money leaves our presence. 
and goes internationally. And we collect this year-round. Year-round. Then we have our ministry campus. You're setting in it. Now, I didn't realize that buildings aren't sexy, so, so to speak. When we build a building, as you can see, it's a very basic structure. We don't build an edifice to me or to anybody else. And we see it as a tool. And I would say the greatest tool we've added to our toolbox in the eight years of our church's existence has been this facility. Every room in this building has a multifunction purpose about it. So we want to be streamlined stewards of everything that comes in, whether it's the overall ministry, whether it's the global missions, whether it's the ministry campus. But I want to introduce a new category, a new offering that will happen one day a year. It will happen as we offer our Christmas Eve service, and it will be on that day. And I just want to give this to you because as you're praying about how I'm going to spend less and I'm going to give more, there's a lot of great organizations out there, World Vision, Compassion International, International Mission Board. There's lots of great organizations out there. But let me just tell you, this is what you can give to and should give to if you're a part of this body. But here's something else that's new. And trustees approved at the last meeting we had. It will be our Christmas offering. Our Christmas offering will go, again, 100% outside the doors of our church. A third of it will go to support a world hunger project that I'm going to lay out more next week. But all I can say is that there is a need in Mali, West Africa, of children dying of malnutrition. Do you realize more children die of malnutrition than die combined of AIDS, TB, or malaria? The first two years of a child's life are the most critical years for their development and their life expectancy. And it's a world hunger program that has been endorsed by the World Food Bank, uh, uh, by the World Health Organization, and so on and so forth. And that we may get to be on the ground floor, and this is just developing just this week, so I can't even give you all the information about it. But we may have to go to the ground floor of bringing this to Mali. And I can't even go into it all. But that's what the Christmas offering will be about. One third of it. A th- another third. If we're going to say that the be- best way we can bless a community is to plant a church, it's going to go into a fund that will help church planters around northwest Arkansas and ultimately the world. Another third will go to Hope and WA. Just a, 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 a new extension ministry of our church where we're able to help as we see a need pop up. I can see as we see these adoptions and foster care and parenting uh, potentials happening in our church, I would love to have a portion of Hope NWA's offering to go to help families who are adopting, because adoptions are so expensive, adopting children who are in need. And that if we could literally say, you're a member of Grace Point Church, we have money in our Hope NWA account, here's a grand, here's two grand to help you with the adoption of that child in need. Now you tell me we have an organization that you can be a part of and have a voice in and be a part of that can do that kind of streamlined impact, you show it to me. Because this is what Christmas is. It is giving personally. It is giving humbly. And it is giving sacrificially. What if this Christmas, it wasn't about our wish list, but it was more about our giving list. Who, where, How can I give this Christmas away? Would you pray with me?
Lord Jesus, we cannot look into your face and live as we have been living. We must learn to live at a different standard. Socioeconomic standard, maybe, Lord. To live at the median income. So that we can make room in our life to give more than we've ever given before. To give more personally of time, talents, and treasures. To give more humbly. To willfully, willingly and intentionally live on less so that we can give more. So that we can look into your face as you died on the cross and know full well that you didn't do that but for one reason. Love and obedience. Obedience to the Father and love for mankind. For God so loved the world that He gave. Lord Jesus, may we look at the Christmas story. May we hear the Christmas story. But more importantly, may we live the Christmas story like never before.